Live from the Jacob Media Studios, it's Serving Our Nation with Dr. Paul McCullough on News Talk 1400 WOND. Be inspired, learn and understand the power of becoming a servant leader and transform your life while serving our nation. Meet those who have served our country. Learn about prosperity and overcome sickness, poverty, and despair. Serving Our Nation begins right now. Good afternoon and welcome to episode 62 of Serving Our Nation. I'm your host, Reverend Dr. Paul McCullough, and if today is your first time tuning into the program, I just want to share with you the heart behind Serving Our Nation. This is a program that is focused on encouraging people to become servant leaders. And my goal is to offer you hope and encouragement through stories each week of people that have dedicated their lives to this idea of servant leadership and honoring God. Because what I know to be true is that when you do that, blessings will follow as a natural byproduct of that service. Because all of us are ministers of one kind or another. Because we have been bestowed with special gifts by the Creator, by God. And because of that, it is our obligation and responsibility that when we see a need in the world around us, we should fill that need to the best of our ability with the talents that God has given us. Because serving is for everyone in all walks of life. And we've seen that demonstrated week after week by people in all walks of life, in the military, business, leaders of faith, leaders in the community, and even people that are just doing something as simple as leading in their family. And last week in episode 61, if you missed it, we had on Brigadier General Eric Shirley. This is a man with a very long military career, and he truly epitomizes the idea of putting other people first. Throughout his career, he has learned that when you care for your service members, when you care for your troops, the people that are entrusted to you, and you truly lead them by serving them and caring for them, that is how an organization becomes truly effective. So if you missed last week's, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to that. But for today, just a little bit about me that is relevant. I had an opportunity to deploy to Iraq from October of 2005 to April of 2006. And during that time, I saw some things, did some things, heard some things that stayed with me and left an indelible mark in my heart and my mind. And a lot of veterans would identify with this as post-traumatic stress. And so this is something I've been working through, dealing with for the last 15, 16 years. And I had an opportunity to speak with one of my friends, Nick Learman, who was a guest on the show a few weeks ago. And he told me about a friend of his named Matt Micolette. And Matt is a gentleman that works with an organization called Neuroflow. And Neuroflow provides mental health uh, treatment, particularly for people in the veteran community. And so I'm honored to have Matt Micolette on the show here today. Matt is not only the head of clinical operations at Neuroflow, He's also a Tillman Scholar, the Executive Director of Action Tank, and he was also recently picked up to be part of the George W. Bush uh, Scholar Program. So we're going to hear more about all those things when we come back from the break. I'll be joined by Matt McAllette, so stay with us. We'll be right back. listening to Serving Our Nation with Dr. Paul McCullough, a Jacob Media Production.
And welcome back to Serving Our Nation. I'm your host, Reverend Dr. Paul McCullough, and I'm joined here today by Mr. Matt Micolette. Matt, first of all, thank you so very much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to be with me on the program today. Oh, of course, Paul. This is, a, this is a lot of fun. So, Matt, you and I have had a number of conversations, and I've gotten to learn a lot about you. And one of the things that really strikes me about you is your passion and your heart for this idea of servant leadership. And you and I have a little bit different perspective on what that is. And I really just wanted to hear your heart on how you live that out and why it's important to you. Yeah, I mean, you know, Paul Kennelly, the first time I've even heard this phrase was from, from you, you know, maybe two months back. And since that time, it's came up again. Yeah. Um, so, so recently I was uh, accepted into uh, the George W. Bush Institute uh, leadership, or uh, veteran leadership program, um, which I'm super excited about. Um, and they also, during the interview process, it, it brought up servant leadership. And so I've had a lot of time to reflect on it, at least, uh, or, you know, a whole month uh, to reflect <laughs> on what that, what that means to me. And, um, and, I, and I think we do have a, maybe a bit of a different description of it but i think ultimately it's the same right? that's right which is right taking care of my team taking care of the community right just making sure we're, we're taking care of those that are taking care of us and that can't take care of themselves yep absolutely and so for those people that don't know about the george bush program would you tell us just a little bit about that and why that's so special for you yeah yeah so you know i actually want to start back um when i first got out of the army um i was a pat tillman scholar and uh, that that foundation, the Pat Tillman Foundation, has completely changed my life. Um, it made it made transition into the civilian world something that I wasn't just uh, supported with, but could like accelerate through. Uh, and you know, the, the what the foundation did is really put you together with a network of just incredible uh, veterans that are doing incredible work across different fields. Mm -hmm. um, and through that, you know, we're, we're probably going to get into this probably skipping ahead a bit, but that's how I, I've, I've started the uh, nonprofit here in Philadelphia. That's how I got some internships at Penn was through connections. And, um, and ultimately the job I have today is all related to that network that I built out of that wow. initial, uh, Pat Tillman foundation, uh, group. Um, but you know, going on to the George W. Bush Institute, um, it, that's what I'm looking for. You know, week one is next week. Uh, what, what it's all about is getting together to really focus on uh, veterans issues and what we can do about them. We come from various different backgrounds. It was great to see the, you know, the 49 other folks that'll be, be there with me. Mm -hmm. um, you know, thinking about all the ways that we can really take care of veterans and get back. So when you talked about the military and um, you said that you had gotten a transition from going from the military into civilian life through the Tillman Foundation, but how did the military itself affect your worldview and you know just your heart for caring for the people? Yeah, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure like a lot of listeners, I kind of found my way into the military, right? Kind of yeah. floated into it. Um, I was actually recruited for track out of high school. No and, kidding. Um, and I went to Vermont on a recruiting trip. And uh, A, I, I wasn't that good in track. And, and B, um, you know, there's not a lot of money, believe it or not, in, in track scholarship. So um, that's actually where I found out about ROTC was visiting the University of Vermont, beautiful campus, you know, and like anybody else, some, you know, it was, uh, it was 2005, I was visiting, I'm thinking, oh, how long could these wars last, right? <laughs> so four years of ROTC later, um, you know, I, I was a nurse, so I did nursing school. And when I came out, um, I was really fortunate to end up at, at Walter Reed um, and caring for, for primarily wounded warriors. Um, it was a very humbling experience. It was yeah. a very extremely challenging time, um, but it, nothing has shaped my world, worldview more than that. Um, and then I, I guess I'll, I'll start wrapping things up a little bit, but in terms of um, from there, I, I, I focused on behavioral health and I've always been fascinated by, by mental health and behavioral health. Um, right. It's, it's something that's affected my family, affected me, affected. Um, and not only that, it's just interesting. I just think it's super interesting. Yeah. Um, so I ended up working on inpatient psych at Fort Hood where, you know, I really got to see why I really enjoyed my time there is because I actually got to be on an army base versus, you know, being at a DC hospital. Sure. Um, and then, um, so, so just, yeah, you, you know, just my place in the world uh, really kind of crystallized uh, during that time. Um, that 
you know, I'm not gonna be able to do anything alone and thinking about like teams mm-hmm. and, and policies and impacts and like, how do you leave that impact after you leave? Yeah. And that was a lot of what I thought about in the military is like, I, I'm leaving in a few months from Walter Reed. How do I make sure that policies are in place, things are in place so that when I'm gone, I know this place is looked after. Um, and those, those are the sort of things that really stuck with me that I still think about a lot. So I want to focus on what you just said for just a minute. And I want to make sure that things are in place when I leave. When you were um, filling out some of the questions in preparation for today, one of the things that you mentioned is you really have a passion for leaving the world better than you found it. And you don't hear that from a lot of people. I've been able to talk to a lot of guests over the last year and a half. That's not a statement that I've heard a lot. So I'm curious of what puts that in your heart and your mind. Like, did that come from parents, a mentor? And how do you live that out through your day-to-day? Is, is that through Neuroflow, Action Tank, all the above? Um, yeah, well, the, all the above. Um, I think a lot about, or, or I try to think a lot about, uh, like, core beliefs, like things you actually believe in. Yeah. And, and where, where they started from. Um, and for me... Um, my family was big into hiking, okay. uh, specifically hiking, and but going outdoors in general. And oh, we always spoke about like you you pick up trash on that trail, you you make that trail better than it was right. than when you got there. Um, you know, take only pictures, leave only footprints. Yeah, is, is always like the mantra there. Yeah. And that kind of belief has always really stuck with me. Where there are small things I can do every day to just make things a little better than I found it. Um, I still pick up my street or pick up garbage in the street when I see it. I just, I think it's such a small thing that can leave the place a little bit better than two seconds ago. Um, and, I, and I try to think about that in organizational and strategy wise is having policies in place and redundancies and those sort of things where um, if I fall off the face of the earth or, or whatever, um, you need to make sure that people know what to do so that the, the people you care about, the communities I care about are still, are still being served. Yeah. Matt, I love what you just said there. You know, even just picking something up, right? You said, take only pictures and leave only footprints. And, you know, it reminds me of a pastor that I served under a couple of years ago. And he went with the people that are on his staff in the church. And he purposely went into an area that had a good bit of debris on the floor and this, that, and the other thing. And he bent down to pick something up off of the floor instead of walking past it. And he wanted to see what the other people were going to do. He didn't say anything. He just picked something up instead of walking past it. And that one cue, just that one physical cue, was enough for everybody else in the whole staff to say, okay, if the senior pastor is going to humble himself enough to bend down and pick up a piece of trash. And then later, he went into the bathroom. Like, mind you now, senior pastor well-established, has gone through all kinds of school and training, da, 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 da. He has a whole staff full of people. He could have had anybody go into the bathroom. He went into the bathroom and cleaned it himself. And those two things made the staff say, okay, you know what? I think we better step up our game. Because if the senior yeah. pastor can humble himself, then I guess we better do that too. Yeah, you know, it's, I've always thought I'm never going to ask anybody on my team to do something that I wouldn't do myself, yeah. right? That's that's central to live by. I think yeah. that, that's the core component of servant leadership. Is, Absolutely. Is, um, you know, we have a number of different roles now. It's funny because I'm, I'm, I'm definitely not the best of my team in any of the roles. So I'm not going to say I do them a lot. Yeah. Um, I have a really talented team, but at the same time, you know, you fill in when you need to, to make sure that they're getting the time off. And right. that they, um, so yeah, that's, that's a great story. I really, really resonate with that. So you have done a lot. And, you know, it starts, I think, if I heard you correctly, with your parents taking you on the hiking trip and, you know, them instilling in you to take only pictures, leave only footprints. What blessings would you say that you have received in your life from giving to other people, from having this heart of putting other people first and leaving the world better than you found that? How has God blessed you through all of that? Yeah, that's a, I mean, Paul, it's a really good question. Um it, it, everything comes down to relationships, you know, and I think the older wow. I get, the more I, I realize that, yeah. um, you know, I, there are, I think it's, it's quality versus quantity uh, yeah. arguments too, right. Which is, which is like, it's not, it's not just about growing a huge network, right. Um, but it's about finding those people that you're really able to lean on, um, that, you know, are going to try to push you and make you a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and uh, you know, just 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 really making sure that you're taking advantage of, of opportunities and saying yes. And those opportunities are definitely, I guess, what I'm what I've been been certainly fortunate to get. Um, and you know, uh, <laughs> getting into Walter Reed, right? I, I did well in school. I got to pick what what place I uh, what hospital I got to go to. Um, but you know, having the opportunity to serve there, just having the, the circumstances kind of fall in line, I could have been a nurse anywhere, right? Mm-hmm. Like I, I could have, um, you know, I, I, if so many things fell in line for that moment for me to enter the army, and then entering the army, I, I would argue it's then been, you know, the relationships and um, you know people I've met along the way. So I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I think what I'm hearing you say is the blessing that you've gotten is relationships and those relationships then create opportunities, which give you an opportunity to go and essentially put it forward, right? Serve other people and do more for humanity. If I'm, if I'm hearing you correctly. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, The blessing I've had is the opportunity that I've been able to serve. That's awesome. I I think, I think there's no question. That is awesome. So you mentioned a couple of times that you start off as a nurse in the army and you know, a a lot of people, myself included, um, might wonder why would a man want to be a nurse? Because, you know, there's a certain stigma that comes with all of that. And quite honestly, like when I have been in the hospital on a few occasions, you know, I see the work that nurses have to do. And some of it is like really grueling, backbreaking work, thankless work. And quite honestly, tireless work, you know, there, there are all kinds of hours. So of all the things that you could have done, why would you want to subject yourself to that? What, what is your heart and passion for that? <laughs> yeah. You know, again, it's, it kind of goes back a little bit to serendipity and um, my mom worked at a hospital, but okay. she worked in the administrative side. So right. she was like a billionaire, billionaire encoder. Um, and in high school, she, you know, she's like, Hey, like, you don't, you don't know what the heck you want to do. Yeah. I didn't. Uh, she's like, why don't you just go to the hospital and like shadow some people and see what, like what some people do in the hospital and see if there's anything that interests you. Yeah. Um, and so I spent the day on the floor with, with nursing staff and, you know, I, lo- I love physicians. Like there's nothing, nothing I want to say bad about doctors, right? Sure. We're all, the same. but the practice is so different where this particular doctor came in he I, I watched him he didn't even put his stethoscope on the patient um and and like said are you feeling all right and they're like yeah and then he left wow and i was like wow that's like probably your interaction with that guy for the day wow um and at the same time i was watching these nurses that were routinely going back in there multiple times a day really like understanding what the problem was they were the ones documenting called you know really, really like using working diagnoses to figure out what's actually going on with this patient sure. and they're de- decompensating. Yeah. Um, and all of that just interests me a lot um, because I wanted to impact people and, 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 you know, interface with people um, in a way that was meaningful. And again, that's not to say physicians are not sure. Um, but, but that, that one-on-one time you had to really culminate those relationships with a patient, yeah. um, you know, where something that interests me and, and really shaped me, you know, Wow. And so I think I heard you say that the work in nursing then kind of led to your career in NoroFlow. Is that right? Like, what was that transition for you? (laughs) It was a long transition. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, so I got out of the army. I I went, um, I went to Penn for grad school. Uh, I studied public health and and social policy. So um, I was really interested in health policy work and that's what I was doing. So I was actually working in substance use policy. I was thinking about uh, effective treatments for opioid use disorder specifically. Okay. Um, and uh, again, kind of a tip for, for anybody I always talk to, like a, um, you know, the associates or interns we have is I got onto the Philadelphia mayor's task force, but I wish I could say it was because of my pedigree. I called and asked, I was like, Hey, I'm really interested in, in sitting in on some task force meetings and just listening to what the city's thinking about. And they said only task force members could attend. So then I said, okay, well, can I be on the task force? <laughs> <That's good. laughs> and, and they called me back a few days later and, and lo and behold, like, yeah, I, I got onto the task force. So, um, so I made a lot of connections through, like I started working in the city, um, started working with a, a bunch of different cool folks at, at different institutions. Um, long story short, when I was trying to figure out what's next, because, you know, academia is okay. Um, I applied to a doctor of public health position. So uh, I was down at Johns Hopkins starting a doctoral program. Um, 
you know, it wasn't for me. (laughs) You know, it's it's the finest institution in the world for public health. Um, But, you know, I I don't want, again, I'm not, I don't want to speak ill, but that that wasn't what mattered to me. Like why I enjoyed my time at Penn so much was the the great relationships I was culminating. Sure. You know, you like stuff that's more hands on. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so around that time where I'm feeling a little, you know, disillusioned um, is when, um, I had a beer with Chris Malero. So Chris and I have known each other for years. I mean, um, we both were at Fort Hood together, although we didn't know it, which is which is always a great story. But we met here both in grad school at Penn. And, you know, I was talking about, yeah, I'm kind of bored. Uh, and he's like, yeah, you know, I really could use some help with somebody that like understands like what accountable care organizations are and like the US healthcare system and how it functions. I was like, oh yeah, I know how to do those things. Um, so that that's really how I, I just started consulting with wow. Neuroflow. Um, and if anything, if, if anybody knows anything about the company, it's a super exciting place to work. Like we're innovating in mental health, um, which uh, you know it's just been such a fun job. So so my role has just you know grown grown from there, uh, you know, into really running the clinical teams um, as well as some of our research. Wow. And what is your focus when you're there? Like you talked about, you have a number of people that are on your team. What is your way of living out that idea of servant leadership with the people that you have on your team? How how does that look for you? Yeah, one of the, um, so, you know, I specialize in nursing and psych nursing and there's, there's a principle that you you learn um, just called offering yourself, right? And just making yourself available and and checking in with people. So first and foremost, like that's, that's what I try to do where, you know, this might, I hope a lot of people are doing this, but having standups on, on Monday, talking mm-hmm. about weekly deliverables, you know, having end of week meetings just to make sure that, you know, our teams, um, we kind of, if, if something wasn't met, understanding what the barriers were and discussing right. those sort of things, but also being available in between, right? Like if, if you need, if you need me, you can reach me, we'll find time. Um, and I think just that, that compassion and empathy, um, is really first and foremost, most important, um, but also just, you know, and then communicating clearly like what goals are. And right. when you have good leaders and, and you can, you know, give them intent, they'll, they'll figure out how to operate. Um, it's just, it's just making sure that they feel supported and empowered to be able to do that. And when we were talking previously, you mentioned this term of authentic leadership. How, how do you view that in terms of your role i don't think you mentioned what your specific role is but what is authentic leadership for you within your role yeah um so yeah i'd say i have two roles first off so we, have, we haven't talked about it yet so um executive director of action tank which okay. is a a veterans nonprofit in philadelphia yep. we um you know this came out of the pat Sullivan foundation initially with that group um but we were having dinner to one one day and it was christy has myself a few other veterans from the area and we were talking about like how veterans, uh, we have a lot of power, right? We have a lot of capital that we could we can use to um, support issues that matter to us, that matter to the community. Um, so what we ended up doing is is creating an organization where we have um, boots on the ground service projects to, to do just the things we talked about at the top of this call, right? right. Picking up the communities, leading the way. But that also allows us to really understand, you know, listen to communities. And we're not here to solve problems riding on a white horse. Like we need to understand the lived experience and yeah. what's going on with individuals that that live in these communities we want to help. So getting on the ground, doing that, um, and then using that to then inform our, our policy advocacy and, and thinking about what are the best practices uh, or, or best you know evidence-based policies out there um, that are, you know, this, this the whole point is, is it's not partisan, it's, it's evidence, right? And like yeah. looking at just what we can do best to support people. Um, so that's one role. Uh, and then the other role is, is then action tank and, and um again leading the clinical operations team there your question was about authentic leadership so right. long way around <laughs> i'll take a deep breath um yeah anyone that knows me i, I hope you can see how how authentic i i try to be on the regular um there's a running joke uh pretty much everywhere i am uh, of a of what they call a mechism at this point which okay. is like when i speak faster than um, or I'm thinking faster than my, my mouth can keep up. So I'll end up saying something pretty dumb. Um, yeah, this is only semi inappropriate, but I was on a customer call the other day, uh, a couple of months back and you know, I'm just talking off the cuff. I got really excited about like what we're going to do with them. And I got so excited about like how we could 
really kind of configure a solution to meet their need. Like we, we didn't, and what I ended up saying was, um, you know, I'm not going to try to fit my square peg into your round hole. <laughs> <laughs> so just like, just silly things that come out all the time, but it, you know, it's, it's because I'm passionate sure. and I'm just excited. And, yeah. um, and I think that's one way it shows through, but I think what's so important about it is, um, I think, it, I think it takes down a lot of barriers for people to communicate with you. Yeah. Um, and if you don't know what's going on as a leader, uh, you're, you're functionally ineffective. Um, so, you know, I, I don't, I, and it's easier for me, right? Like I get to be me. I get to um, have a better sense of what's going on with my team. Um, you know, and it doesn't mean you're, you're giving up authority or mm -hmm. anything like that. It's just, it's just a different tact. And it all kind of comes back to offering yourself and those other things that are really important to me. It makes it really easy to be an authentic leader when those are things you care about. Yeah. You know, I really love what you're saying because one of the roles that I have, I serve as the president for the chapter of AUSA within Philadelphia. And I've been in that chair for about the last two years. And about once every six months, I make a point of taking a knee and going around and having an individual conversation with each person and really just humbling myself and saying, hey, listen, I need to understand your perspective perspective and perceptions on how I'm doing, how the chapter's doing, and what direction you think we need to go. And, you know, I try to be really quiet uh, when they're speaking because, you know, Covey says first to seek to understand, then to be understood. And I don't need to be interrupting them and saying, try to defend myself or anything like that. And what I have found in the last two years is people really respond to that. You know, you talked about being available and being authentic. And I've had a number of people tell me, like, when you are vulnerable and you really listen to our feedback and then you tweak things accordingly and you really just open yourself up, like, that makes a world of difference because it's a volunteer organization, right? Like, you're an EP of a nonprofit, right? So when you're yeah. running a volunteer organization, people could leave at any point, right? Like, they don't have to hang around. You're not paying them. And it's so funny you say that, Paul. Yeah. I, I, that's my parents' nonprofit right now. Their names is like all kinds of drama, and I'm like, why? Why? I'm like, she's retired, and she's already our town's EMT and our town registrar. And like, in case you didn't know who my my mom is, and what she's like, um, I'm like, then don't do it. Yeah. Right? You're volunteering. Yeah. It should be it should be bringing you a sense of purpose, right? And um, and not an additional stress in your life, right? right. Um, I think about that a lot. I'm, I'm glad you said that. Yeah. Like, I feel like my job is to provide purpose, direction, motivation, bring in really strong people to be part of our team, and then to just get us all pulling in the same direction, right? Because no volunteer has a ton of time, right? Everybody has a whole bunch of things they're involved with. Everybody's in a different season in life. And so there's small little pieces of rope, if you will, right? But when you tie small pieces of rope together, now you have a really strong cord. And when that cord is pulling in the same direction, now you have movement and now you can do things that are effective. Even with a whole bunch of people only having a little bit of time, that's 15, 16 people all pulling in the same direction. Now you've got something powerful. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and I often think about, I usually think about like a Venn diagram in my head and I'm thinking, you know, what is this person good at? Okay. Um, what do they like to do? And then what does your organization need? Right. If you can find the bullseye of that Venn diagram with someone on your team, you're in a great place. That's good. I um, like that. I'm going to steal that. That's good. <laughs> you got it. I better, uh, I better put it in some journal or something before someone steals it. Um, but, you know, that that's really, I think, what we need to try to do. And we have like, we have a lot of lawyers at Action Tank. It just happens to answer right? um, a lot by like, fuck me, like five. Um, but, um, I'm not going to have them do a bunch of law reviews for us or something if that's not what they want to do. Right. 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 But there might be something legal adjacent that they have the skills better to do. Yeah. Um, that they don't mind doing provides them purpose and things like that. So, um, yeah, I think you're spot on. So let's zoom out for a minute. You've done a lot of work, Action Tank, being a nurse, being an Army veteran, NeuroFlow, all these different things. What is the hardest thing that you've had to do? through all of that and how has that impacted you? Oh, God, I mean, definitely on <laughs> mental health. I mean, uh, you know, I'm a pretty anxious person. Um, it, and a lot of it comes from a lot of these core values that uh, we're talking about, right? There's, it's kind of a double-edged sword um, when you are 
caring too much, right? We, I think, you know, we talk a lot about sympathy versus empathy. Yeah. I'm sure you guys have a similar, similar discussions, right. In your field. Um, and you know, burnout's real. Yeah. Uh, I, I talked about Walter Reed and, you know, again, I, I saw my career is here because of my time at Walter Reed and changed my life view. But I, I would picture that Metro crashing and burning with me inside of it on the way in. Um, it was, it was hard. Um, you know, and, and there's been other, uh, just other times too, you know, grad school, transitioning out of the army, just mm-hmm. for just what am I doing? Why am I at this Ivy league institution instead of like caring for people? Like I was just doing something important. Um, so there's been a lot of those times where it's just been hard to see the the forest through the trees. Yeah. Um, and kind of like understand where am I really going and, and kind of having, um, having a hard time in that, in those moments. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, definitely just, just trying to get myself through, through some of the harder times that I would say has been the toughest. So when you're going through those times of transition and trying to figure out what, what I think I'm hearing you say is your identity and who you are and what you want to grow up to be and all things like that. Is that fair? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. What brings you back to center? How do you find your focus? Is it through prayer and meditation, family members, mentors, a combination? How do you find, all right, this is who Matt Micolette is and this is who I want to be. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, it, relationships um you know i you know there, there's been so many people in my life that i know i could lean on sometimes it's just enough to know you can reach out to somebody and call sure. them yeah um that in itself is, is just great um but then there are other people who you know you call for specific things that will help you through a problem um, my mom is one of the closest people in my life and i talk to her about so much she's she's been so helpful but she is such an anxious person now like i can't tell her <laughs> if i'm like really anxious because i don't want to get, get her um worked up too yeah. so you find the right people to support you through the right times um and that's that's really been important to me to try to figure out and i'm not going to say i mastered it and or or anything but that's been huge for me um getting outdoors is another thing uh you know whether it's running again going back to hiking just yeah. you know i live in the city i love i love the city yeah. uh but you got to get out um, and see some green. Um, so that's, you know, those, those are really the things, what it is for me. And, you know, with hiking and running, it, it really becomes the the mindfulness and getting away and, and trying to just let your brain reset. Yeah, that's great. So let me ask you then same thing, but from a slightly different perspective, having now gone through a number of transitions and having served in just a number of different ways and leaving places better than you found them. Has there been anything in your life that has just really stood out to you where you say, man, like, I can't believe that I get to do this. Like, I can't believe that God has blessed me in this way that like, this is my life. This is who I am. This is what I get to do. I mean, every day, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, you know, when I was coming, when I came, when I came out of high school, I wasn't like remarkably smart student you know i did l i did fine but i never thought i was going to be like president right like yeah. I, I never really had big aspirations as a kid i mean it really wasn't until the army that like i started to have experiences and realized i was good at leading teams in particular that i was like oh okay like you know maybe i'll be pretty successful um but I, I still can't believe where I am. Uh, like get, getting to do what I get to do, working with leading a team of veterans that want want to hang out. I don't even have to pay them. Yeah, uh, they they want to come hang out and talk about issues with me. Yeah, uh, and then to be innovating in mental health and creating like new technologies and ways to think about identification and treatment and following people long, longitudinally. Um, like how cool is that? Uh, so yeah, I mean every yes. every single day, I um, I can't believe I made it this far already. <laughs> to be to be honest, that's awesome. So Matt, last question: We got about a minute left or so. Sure. What advice would you give to somebody? Maybe it's a veteran. Maybe it's somebody that has just gotten out of the military and they're struggling to find their place in the world. You know, you talked about a number of times that you've had transition, and you know, who do I, is Matt McLett and how do I want to uh, grow in the future? What advice would you give them if they want to make an impact in the world, but they might say, well, you know, like, who am I to think that I can amount to anything? I haven't done much, blah, blah, blah. What advice would you give to somebody that wants to make an impact, but doesn't know where to start? Yeah, there, there's a concept and it's often, often, you know, kind of associated with like depression treatment, which is uh, behavioral activation. 
get up and do something, right? You, you got the only way to to really make things happen is to get out and try to meet people, try to do good. So that might be volunteering with a group, yeah. right? F- finding somebody to go out with. Um, it might just be going for that run to clear your head. Like you have to do something. Like that. That's that's what it is. And and hopefully. Um, that's that's developing those relationships, which are going to help and grow you through that transition because that's who you're going to need to rely on. Awesome. And last thing, if somebody wants to get involved in Action Tank and they're listening to you speak and they say, man, you know what? This is something I can really get behind. How would somebody even think about participating in Action Tank and working with you in that capacity? Yeah. Um, so Action Tank is, uh, we have a website, actiontank.us. Uh, we're also just had Action Tank uh phl.org we just bought as well um the uh we also have on social media so you can search action tank uh phl um and uh you know just you can google <laughs> that's probably the easiest <laughs> action, tank, action tank philadelphia will come up um you know and, and uh, I, you know i hope anybody's interested please feel free to reach out info at actiontank.us as well Awesome. Well, Matt, I want to thank you so much for sharing your heart and sharing just your passion for caring for other people in all the ways that you do that, because I have been inspired and I've taken away a couple of nuggets of things that I'm going to incorporate into my life as well. So I really want to thank you for being on the show today and sharing everything with us. Yeah, thank you so much, Paul. This was, is this was really great. All right. When we come back from the break, we're going to reflect on the lessons of servant leadership that we've heard from today's guests. So stay with us. We'll be right back. If you're interested in connecting with Dr. Paul McCullough or interested in being featured on the show, contact Jacob Media Partners via LinkedIn. Now, back to Serving Our Nation. And welcome back to Serving Our Nation. I'm your host, Reverend Dr. Paul McCullough. And as we close out today's show, let's just briefly think about what we've heard from today's guest, Mr. Matt McCullough. So as I mentioned to you in the beginning of the show, I only met Matt a few months ago. And in the very first conversation that I had with him, I knew that he would be a great guest for this program, not just because of the things that he is involved with and the impact that he's making, but his heart for other people and his passion for putting other people first. He may not have used the term servant leadership in his previous vernacular before he went and interviewed for the George W. Bush program, but he is living it out in everything that he does every day. And I think there's a few really key points that we should just focus on and reflect on in this coming week. So first, I I love what Matt said a couple of times about this idea of when he went hiking as a young kid, he was told, you can take pictures and leave footprints and nothing else, that you have to leave the world a better place than you found it. And I would argue that that aspect of servant leadership can apply to any walk of life, whether it be your job or participating in a church or being involved in a community thing or even something as simple as your family. What impact are you making on your family? For instance, my son is 18 years old and he is leaving for college in two months. And, you know, once he goes off to college, like so many other people, he's not going to be returning home for quite a while. And he may never come and live with us again, right? He may just come and visit. But what impact has he made on our family, on our home, in the time that he was here, in the time that he was with us? What impact are each of us making in our communities, in our families, in the world around us? I would, I would encourage us to really be challenged by Matt's words of, leaving the world a better place than we found it. And then he went on and he talked about 
this idea of authentic leadership, which is a, a different twist on the concept of servant leadership. And he said it's really about taking down barriers and allowing people to feel comfortable coming to you and talking to you. And this idea of offering yourself, being available, setting clear goals. And again, this is not anything particular to any industry. This is Leadership 101. So what can we do as aspiring servant leaders to practice this idea of authentic leadership, of really humbling ourselves, of listening to the concerns and ideas and recommendations of other people, to put their needs first, to be open, to make ourselves available to them. And especially within a family unit, too often we go to work and we come home and we're tired and we just wanna maybe drink a beer and put on the TV and have a meal and go to sleep and call it a day. But is that being available? Is that being available to your spouse? Is that being available to your children? Is that opening yourself to when they might need to spend time with you or talk with you or maybe they have a concern or whatever it is? What can we do this week to practice authentic leadership and make ourselves available to the people around us. Something else that Matt said, and I, I really thought this was profound, and I asked him what was the hardest thing that he had to do. And he said it was this concept of transition and going from one life choice to another and not being burned out and really reinventing himself a little bit at different times to make sure that he is being his best self. And he talked about doing that through relationships, of listening to the people around them, of relying on them, of working with them in whatever way possible to really seek good counsel and be the best version of himself that he could be. So I guess the question is, what can we do to not only reach out to other people, but also be available. What can we do to facilitate, to offer those good relationships to help other people navigate their life choices when they're going through hard times? Again, in any career field, the military, business, faith, community, it all applies. Servant leadership is a global type thing. It's not for any particular career choice. Everybody is able to put other people first and care for them and be that person, be that friend in need. And Matt even talked about his mom. Now his mom has just been there by his side through whatever he needs. But he's also sensitive that when he's feeling really anxious, he doesn't want to go to her. You have to pick the right person at the right time for the right type of conversation. And so can we this week really focus on being open, having those relationships for other people. And last thing I just want to talk about briefly, Matt mentioned that the best thing that any of us can do to get started, if we're feeling maybe a little apprehensive or if we're feeling maybe insufficient, I'm not enough, I can't do this, that's not for me, any of those voices of self-doubt and negativity and self-loathing, anything like that, that stuff is for the birds. That that is not a good way of thinking and living. I love what he said of just get out and do something. Start being active. Maybe it's going for a run. Maybe it's volunteering. Maybe it's starting a new relationship. But you have to start somewhere. You start planting some seeds. Then you give it some time. You water those seeds proverbially. You pour time, energy, and money into whatever it is that you're working on. And then you watch the fruit grow. And then when the time comes, there will be a harvest, so to speak. And from that, that harvest is things like the Tillman Foundation, excuse me, the Tillman Scholarship and the George W. Bush Foundation program that he gets to go through. What an inspiring guest Matt has been. I'm so thankful that he was on the program today. Well, listen, something else that I just want to briefly talk about is, again, this concept of when you put good into the universe, good comes back to you. And this past week, I had an opportunity to travel to Colorado for a work trip. And I went down to the hotel restaurant slash bar um, at the end of the night after I got done with all of my work. And I had an opportunity to meet the bartender. And so he told me that his name was Joseph 
And he was actually surprised that I asked his name and I struck up a conversation with him. And we spoke uh, about our lives and our background. And I found out that he is also an army veteran. And so we had a number of shared interests. And so during the time while I was eating and uh, just relaxing down there, we had a good conversation about life and, you know, caring for the people and all things of that nature and some of our shared army experiences. And so what I found out after the fact is Joseph really took care of me that night. There was a couple of things that he didn't charge me for. He gave me a couple of free items and all because I made a personal connection with him. I took some time to acknowledge that Joseph isn't just the bartender. He isn't just the person that's bringing you a meal. Joseph is a person with feelings and experiences and things that I can learn from and an opportunity to make a new friend in a new place. And I think all too often we maybe forget that. We think that maybe the, the waitress or the person picking up the garbage or whatever it is, that maybe they are less than us because they have a different occupation than us or something of that nature. But I would say to you, I would challenge us that every single person, regardless of who they are, what they do, how much money they make, every single person has value. We can listen and learn from every single person around us. And that is where the true beauty comes from. It's through those relationships like Matt was talking about. And for me, that real fruit was not just in the free things that Joseph was able to generously give to me that night, but in the new relationship and friendship that I have with Joseph. When I left the hotel, uh, when I checked out, Joseph happened to be there. And he was like, oh my gosh, I really enjoyed meeting you. And I gave him my card and we exchanged information. And so it was only just, you know, a few really enjoyable minutes that I had an opportunity to spend with Joseph. But now I have a lifelong friend because of that. So I would just encourage you and challenge you to think about that. What new person can you reach out to this week? Well, listen, for next week, another incredible guest. His name is Mr. Jerry Tempesta. He is a Vietnam War veteran. He's been nominated for the Medal of Honor and his packet is currently under review. And he is also the nephew of a World War II hero. And his picture uh, is at the Fort Knox headquarters building where one of their offices is named after. So really looking forward to talking to Mr. Jerry Tempesta next week. But for now, as you go about your week, no matter where you're at, always ask, how can I help? Thanks for listening and join us again next week. Walking around these walls I thought by now they fall But you have never felt me yet Waiting for change to come Knowing the battle's won For you have never felt me yet Your promise still stands Great is your faithfulness Your faithfulness I'm still in your hands This is my confidence You never failed me yet I know the night will come
Still in your hands This is my comfort 